this is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to sessions from the media rumble 2018 thank you very much for being here for the session on undernourished reportage we are going to focus on three areas broadly which uh, was kindly pointed out to my uh, by my uh, fellow panelist here that w- as as the areas that we could focus on for discussion so one is to understand why is health reporting where it is today the second is to broadly talk about what are the reasons why the quality or the quantity of reporting is not as much as we would expect and we should obviously touch upon why would we would expect more of it and that's very important and the the third part is really how do we improve it and in what direction do we improve it do we go deeper do we go more deeper into let's say areas like tuberculosis or cancer or do we go wider cover more disease conditions so so that's the landscape that we are covering today and what i'm going to do is i'm going to ask each of our panelists to speak for about a minute and a half or two minutes to define the landscape as they see it uh, from their vantage point our uh, panelists have come from somewhat diverse backgrounds uh, we have uh, dr paul from government uh, amy is a journalist summer is a journalist uh, dr ravi is a is an ac- uh, academician would be the right word yeah and dinesh is a journalist again so uh, so let's talk about it but uh, i think the key question we are going to address in the in the as a sort of the umbrella question over the three that i the subset of three that i already outlined is uh, why should we do it i mean how do we benefit from better health reporting i mean how does the country benefit how does uh, how do we as citizens benefit and how do our lives get better if we have better quality of reporting on health and health related issues so that's that's what we'll try and arrive at in the next uh, 50 minutes or so uh, with questions as well so can i ask uh, dinesh to start off from uh, that side so about a minute and a half to two minutes yeah yeah i think as you rightly said media representation of health and illness shapes our understanding of health illness and healthcare and that in turn you know creates perceptions and leads to creation of health seeking behavior it leads to health beliefs and health attitudes the kind of things which we you know gather from people ultimately it affects health practice and health policy so the media representation is actually very very important it is something directly linked to our lives i think that's one key point when we are talking about health in media therefore it can you can you illustrate that with an example no for example if you take a most recent example of uh, vaccine refusal in kerala it's a very you know uh, important uh, issue in the sense that kerala has a very high literacy rate it has a very high penetration of media yet in certain pockets of kerala and also parts of telangana people are refusing uh, vaccination of their children why because they are gathering information from various sources it is not just the mainstream media i mean when i am talking of media i am also talking about uh, a flow of information to people from various sources and as we know we have been discussing here for past two days how important social media is you know that's a critical that's a you know i would say <clears throat> a major source of information relating to health so people are getting affected from that it's not the mainstream media which uh, they are believing so that's one example of vaccine refusal another uh, example which i would give from delhi is the whenever there is an outbreak of dengue in delhi the people go hunting for platelets i mean every every case of high fever or suspected dengue case does not require platelets but the kind of uh, framing in media is that the moment you are talking of dengue you are talking of platelets so it is affecting the Uh, practice of health it is affecting the beliefs of people 
So, so you're saying things but are framed in me. So your comment is on the quality of reporting in a, as well as the... It is both, actually. Both. Okay. I mean, right now it's quality, but uh, quantity also there are surveys to show that, you know, uh, past 10 years, uh, <clears throat> national newspapers, the front page of national newspapers, the health coverage is less than 2%, which is yeah. the center for media studies. And uh, the prime time coverage is 1.5% one, one or so. So it is absolutely right. okay. low if you are talking of uh, quantity, but there are serious issues on quality. Quality as well. Okay. Amy? Um, I'd like to start by saying that um, health is often seen as a kind of, um, actually it's someone in my master class said it yesterday, it's like, oh, it's great that you're interested in this human interest topic. And it's often seen as kind of a soft topic and kind of not that important. Um, you know, the important beats in a newspaper are seen as the political beat, um, banking, uh, infrastructure. I would argue that actually health is you know, absolutely core to the prospects of India and its um, potential to really um, rise as um, you know, an emerging power as people in this country want it to. If your health indicators are bad, if your population is unhealthy, you, if, you know, if many, many days are being lost, if lives are being lost too young because of poor healthcare issues, this is gonna extract a significant economic cost on India and India will not be able to reach like its potential. And so when people talk about health as human interest or as, see it as a soft subject, I'd actually argue that it's really core to um, you know, India's prospects um, as a society to kind of rise up in the economic and power ladder of the you know, global community. Um, Health tends to be thought of, I know. I mean, from what I see of Indian health coverage, it mostly tends to be focused on an outbreak of a certain disease, like a disease has broken out, whether it's dengue fever or chikungunya in Delhi, or the Nipah virus in Kerala, and there's, you know, everyone is upset because there's not enough hospital beds, or, I mean, in the case of Nipah virus, actually, the Kerala state seemed to have handled, I mean, from what I could tell from here, they seemed to handle it really well. It was, it was actually reassuring to see that they could actually, um, you know, clamp down on a potentially very deadly and scary um, epidemic and prevent it from spreading. But essentially, health reporting seems to be kind of very reactive and, you know, this disease has erupted, people are upset, what should they do? A few health tips, a few kind of bashing up that the hospitals aren't prepared enough. Actually, really, really good quality health reporting has to not just look at diseases. When you talk about health as a beat, there's an entire health system and ecosystem that look, needs to be looked at and which is gonna determine whether people in this country have good health or not, whether people are dying of completely preventable things, whether you have a maternal mortality rate of 130, as India does, or 19.6, as China does, per 100,000 live births. So what are the things that like go to make up a health ecosystem? It is supply of medical care, it's, um, you know, it's hospitals, it's doctors, it's infrastructure, it's lab tests, it's trained medical professionals. Very little is written about these issues about like the low ratio of doctors in India compared to the WHO recommendation, who's controlling medical education. Um, little is written about hospital regulation and, and the hospital industry and how it practices. So you have your diseases, you have your healthcare providers, then you have the big issue of healthcare finance. Who pays for healthcare? Who, access, who accesses it? Who accesses healthcare? People that are poor, they, go, they either go 
to public hospitals or they go into deep debt or going to some private clinics or they go into deep debt going to some private hospitals, which is what um, you know, uh, Dr. Paul is now trying to solve with Aishman Barrett. But there's huge issues of healthcare finance, but that's not just an issue for the poor, that's an issue for the middle class and that's an issue for well off. Healthcare is really, really expensive and the quality of healthcare that you probably want is always gonna seem a little bit more expensive than what you can afford. So how's that being addressed? How is healthcare being made affordable through insurance companies, but who's really looking at or writing about the practice of health insurance companies and how they operate in this country and how they treat their consumers. So healthcare finance, supply of healthcare, then there's healthcare seeking behavior. How do people approach healthcare? And then, of course, there's the science and the cutting edge of science and cross-comparative experiences. What's going on in India? Why are India's healthcare indicators so much poorer than, say, neighboring countries like Bangladesh or Sri Lanka, what's different? These are all really, really fertile areas for healthcare reporting. And I think any kind of serious effort at looking at the healthcare beat really has to look at the whole ecosystem in which health is gonna be determined. So I'd say, you know, don't let them tell you that the only thing that matters is roads and infrastructure. India will not prosper the way that it wants to if healthcare continues to be such a drag on the population. Okay, thank you. I'd like to just simply re-emphasize that and carry Amy's thought further. In that, I think we don't make the, we don't uh, put health in the proper context in India, which is we don't make the connections as far as reporters go between health and the economy, between the jobs and education. The reason we have such low learning levels, one of the reasons possibly, is that we have a lot of undernutrition, malnutrition. All that affects cognition, the cognitive learning. All that affects how kids grow up. It affects how, um, how prepared they are to enter the job market, uh, the kind of jobs they get. So there is, uh, there is a stream of effects that begin from the primary healthcare centers and run all the way up to how uh, uh, the economy itself progresses. That's one thing. The second thing um, I think uh, we need to emphasize is that health reporting is in India is barely skimming the surface. Uh, there are so many uh, connections that we need to make. As she said, you know, for example, investigating public health centers, um, looking at um, uh, disease prevalence, uh, probing pl public spending. There is so much that needs to be done. I mean, we run a, uh, as you know, uh, Govind and I work in the same organization. We run a nonprofit that uh, is primarily focused on health reporting. And despite that, we find that we just don't have enough reporters to do what uh, is out there because there's just so much to report and we're barely skimming the surface, even though we focus on uh, health reporting. But I think uh, it's pretty positive that this um, uh, uh, chat is being had in the Stein Auditorium and the audience and the auditorium is bigger than the auditorium and the audience that was used for fake news. So that's uh, heartening. Shamika. Uh, thank you for this opportunity, first of all. As an economist, uh, I want to reiterate one point, which is no country can develop uh, on the back of poor human capital. And poor human capital includes health and education. Unfortunately, in India, over the last 70 years, our infrastructure investments, uh, while they have picked up tremendously, almost the entire discussion is limited to hard infrastructure. 
and of course the entire governance of that. But uh, uh, health and education as two fundamental components driving human capital are really not a part of the political discussion, not interested uh, you know, uh, in the media circuits, as a result of which it's really a very self-fulfilling bad equilibrium that we keep getting stuck in. So one thing to uh, uh, remember is that the best minds in, in a lot of these developed countries go into designing health policies and education policies because not only do countries spend a lot, not just through the government but also from the private sector, but that is really what determines the future path of an economy uh, moving forward. So first of all, human capital is fundamental to productivity gains. We need to make that investment, not just within the government and the private sector, but the media really you know, is that vigilant uh, arm which, which is, is required for better governance and, and, and more priority. But in terms of the design of the healthcare space itself, uh, you know, countries decide on how to structure their healthcare. So the US, for instance, spends 18% of its GDP on, on healthcare. And they have almost the same health outcomes as Singapore, which spends only 4%. Now that just tells you that, you know, there are things that can be done smartly. It's not just about spending money. You really need to be able to do things in a way which, which puts you on the sustained path of, you know, high productivity growth. The second is, you know, India has made great strides in, in, in many areas of health. It's not all dismal. For instance, you know, we are the pharmacy to the world in, 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 in many ways. Medical tourism as a sector, in fact, is seeing tremendous growth. Uh, so a lot of people from Africa uh, and Asian markets are traveling to India for good quality, uh, cheap care. And yet, uh, the, you know, the, the dichotomy of the Indian health market, just like everything else in India really, is that 7% of our population gets impoverished because of healthcare. 7% is a very large number, and that has stayed constant over the last 15 years. Okay? That's roughly 100 million people falling below poverty line because of some health shock, which means we need to be able to think of how do you, how do you design some of this. A very high out-of-pocket burden. People are still, you know, on an average, the private out-of-pocket burden is close to 65%. That's still, you know, it's pretty high. There is an enormous information gap. It is not just the media. And media is our, fav you know, is our favorite whipping boy lately. But, but legislators are actually quite ill-informed. The executive body is very ill-informed. Our best minds are not going into health uh, uh, care design. And I think you know, uh, that can be changed if it can be prioritized uh, within the media. And obviously, as an as a outcome of all of that, the public at large is also not uh, uh, very highly informed. And for that, let me just give you an example out of uh, some of the microfinance programs which started putting out health insurance. And people were paying for it. It wasn't government-sponsored. So people are paying the premium. They are, they are meant to avail all this care. But almost no one was really filing claims. And that just tells you that financing is one aspect of it. People just, you know, the health-seeking behavior really requires an enlightened, empowered population. And where the media is, is really that uh, channel through which you can, uh, uh, you know, empower people with that knowledge of this is what uh, care and health-seeking ought to be because this is what you're entitled to. Uh, you know, I'd like to end on a note that, you know, health has to be made political in this country, okay? And the only way we can make it a political subject is by democratizing. It really shouldn't remain a purview of a few interested party academics or advisors and, 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 and doctors and, and a handful of media experts. And the way to do that is to use a lot of public information. For instance, we put out something called a health monitor. The health monitor is really meant for the media. We use public data and put it out in the form in which you can use it. For instance, the one thing that strikes out is that UP government created three times the required number of community health centers between 2013 and 15, with 90% shortage of 
uh, HR, meaning you don't have doctors, you don't have nurses, you just created real estate. Now that, that is something you guys should have picked up because it's all publicly out there and we have you know, sort of put out this kind of information. But governance requires that there is pressure. It has to get political for good you know, health, uh, uh, not just infrastructure, but good quality care. It's a two-way process. And, and media is that intermediary which, which sort of raises the uh, uh, focus on healthcare. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Dr. Paul. Thank you very much. A lot has been spoken, so next time you start from this, this side. <laughs> the conclusion I will. No. Okay. Uh, some may be part of repetition, but that's okay. First and foremost, uh, for media, would you not like to give priority to an area which concerns us all? Fundamentally, it concerns us all. It is everybody's life, everybody's well-being, everybody's nutrition and so on. So the, I think this is something that should be a driving force. There are many things to be done, but something that concerns each one of us, preventive, promotive. In this row, I can see that at least half of us are on the overweight size. Something is wrong, the way our society emphasizes good practices. So I think it concerns all. So you know, it's an overarching principle. It's our duty as a, as a media. Second. Echoing what has been stated, health is a driver for development. It's never more so than at this very, very moment. It's about jobs, it's about productivity, it's about demographic dividend, it's about a change that must happen. And if you don't bring it to the fore, it'll take longer for things to happen. Third, I think the, the context. And you, this visibility in the media, we need it even more because we are at the cusp of a, a huge shift. Uh, there's a paradigm shift, there's a turning point, there's a historic event uh, taking place in the sphere of health. Health sector, you take my word for it, it's never been the same ever since the announcement of Ayushman Bharat in the budget statement. Tell you why. See, in the past, what we did was we picked our priorities and tried to run with them at the public health level. So we picked up uh, smallpox, uh, immunization, uh, mother-child health, and rightly so. In fact, the MDGs were also about picking up six priorities or four priorities, say, okay, now we will run with them. You got the health system around it, you got the infrastructure built around it, the diagonal approach in the public health parlance. With Ayushman Bharat, you are seeing a decision of the government of the day and the support of the parliament for a system level change. We are now not seeing, we are building a system. So primary health care for everything, okay? Not just mother and child care anymore. Non-communicable disease, hypertension, diabetes, cancer, old age, adolescent health, eye, ENT, everything. It's a platform that we are building. And this is a system level change. Similarly, Ayushman Bharat National Protection, Health Protection Scheme is about secondary and tertiary care, not just for cesareans, this time also for knee replacement and cholecystectomy and so on. We are at the cusp of a total shift, a, a transformative stage for health, and I think, therefore, health should be a very visible point. And the last one is that we, all, much of health, if you see it along the life course, is about behaviors. It's about how we should conduct, and I think the entire population of India needs to be educated about it. Healthy, who would be the vehicles who would be the, the enablers of good behaviors of us as a society. You have a role to play. We have issues about 
you know, I talked about obesity, we have issues about undernourishment, breastfeeding issues, we have issues about suicide rates rising, we have young people don't sleep on time because they're watching these blue screens. So it's a serious, serious concern. So I would say we have to be agents of change because we are a stakeholder to the society, society's development. Thank you. Thank you very much. So uh, let me first come back. This is a media rumble. This is, we are talking about the role of media in this. And, uh, but I think what you've done is highlighted the reasons why we should be talking about health more and uh, how it contrasts with other forms of investment, including physical infrastructure, as Shamika pointed out. So let me come back to the media part, and let me begin with you, Dinesh. So you said two things. I think one is that the reactive, which you and Amy both talked about, that we react to disease, disease outbreaks, epidemics, and it becomes big. Uh, the second is you said the quality, even as that happens, the quality is something that uh, is a problem. So the question I would pose is, how do we then incentivize ourselves as media to do a better job and to focus on something that seems quite apparent? Go ahead. See, as it's clear that the focus of media when it comes to health is event-based. It is episodic. There's one outbreak, we cover that, and we forget about it. There was Gorakhpur, we covered it, and we forgot about it. And there's, there was NEPA, we covered it. In fact, it was covered in a very small way in North India, I would say. It was largely covered in the South India. It was seen as a problem of South India. So even episodic events we are not doing properly. Then what we are doing, we are writing about hospitals. We are write, writing about so-called rare surgeries. We are writing about uh, personalities and new procedures, technologies, and all that is dominating because I've been monitoring four newspapers as part of my own research, and that's what comes out And what newspapers, not only English newspapers, which has metro base, but also papers in other areas are covering. These are the, mostly the subject. So the larger picture, what we discussed and it was pointed out, that is missing from the coverage. So how do we increase that? But before we do that, we need to look at why the situation is so bad. I mean, who are the people in media who are writing on health? I mean, I would say there would be hardly 100 health correspondents and editors, health editors put together for a country of 1.3 billion. And for a media which is that robust, you know, some of the newspapers which have um, a quarterly turnover, uh, turnover rate of, uh, turnover of 500 crores, even they don't have health editors. So that is one part. How do we build that professional capacity to cover health? That is completely lacking in India, with some exceptions, I would say. I mean, there is Hindu or there are, as I said, there would be hardly health uh, people who are dedicated. So are you saying it's the desire that's missing or the capacity that's missing? Sorry, desire is there because if you look at uh, the newspaper coverage of health, there is health reporting. For example, if you take uh, op-ed of uh, number one daily in India, it is full of health coverage. But from where it is coming, it is coming from syndicated services. It is coming from NYT. It is all the Western wires. And uh, I mean, Express does a full page, but one has to look at what we are serving there. So there is a desire to cover. There are a lot of uh, so-called how to stay fit, uh, you know, uh, lifestyle. So there is a certain amount of coverage which is given to us. But from where it is coming, we are not putting the money there. So we need to build that. But is that a bad capacity. thing? I mean, since you pointed it out, is that a bad thing that we have so much of uh, wellness-related coverage? The you know the listicles and the five steps to look good, feel better? No, it is a good thing that we are flagging off issues, but we are doing it in the wrong way. Okay. We are not doing it the right way. Even we'll lifestyle coverage has to be research-based. It has to come from somewhere. 
Okay. What newspapers are doing it, picking up stuff from stray sources which are not backed by you know research. Okay. I mean, so-called fitness experts who are not trained nutritionists are giving those advices. So even lifestyle coverage has a certain you know. Uh, it has to have a professional... Uh, right, so let, let's address yeah. the first question then. Uh, Amy, do you want to go? So what's the incentive uh, and who can provide that incentive and how do we drive that? So I think um, one problem with healthcare reporting here and one reason why some of these big issues about the state of the healthcare system doesn't get enough attention in the media um, in this country is basically the great, huge, gaping social divide. So English language media newspaper readers and English language TV watchers are essentially, um, you know, they buy private health care from decent or even world-class health care facilities, and they are kind of checked out of the state of the rest of the country um, and the state of what other people are accessing. And I, and I think that there is a lack, I mean, actually health care um, is one of those things that affects everybody. There are huge problems like in this country with things like extreme drug resistant tuberculosis, with antibiotic resistance. And people think that, you know, they're not paying any attention because they think these issues don't affect them. But actually what's happening in the lower strata of the population will also finally affect people that are in the middle or upper strata. We are not like we're not walled off from each other. I mean, in health, as you probably know, I mean, one of the biggest concerns globally is about the spread of epidemics and of scary bugs that can hop from, you know, sub-Saharan Africa to the US. And certainly they will hop from backward areas of Gorakhpur to the rich neighborhoods of South Delhi. And I think one of the things that like media has to do is actually try to make people care about what's happening in the social, you know, in the lower areas of the healthcare system and make them realize why, even though they might be able to go to a great private hospital, in fact, the fact, the state of these, you know, maybe not so great, um, overstressed, overstrained public hospitals should be of concern to them, even if it's not, because things that are breeding there will spread. And I think that's one of the incentives. You have to kind of make people see the links. And, you know, if your employees can't access good health care, and if, you know, if people working in your house can't access good health care, I mean, we're not where I think people just have to be made to care and there are things that are starting to affect people that probably never thought they had to worry about stuff so I mean they have to understand that the health of the population even if they have access to good health care will affect them and I think that's kind of one of the things that needs to happen to kind of make people realize the linkages and that the whole society it's gonna sort of they're all together and you're not just isolated and immunized from other problems that are okay. kind of breeding. Okay, Shamika and then uh, Samar. No, I don't think I'll let the media get off so easily. Uh, I would say, you know, you guys don't invest in the right capacity. You go for fads, you go for, for easy picks. For instance, even the Gorakhpur, I thought it was a cheap shot that everyone really focused on Gorakhpur, while none of you picked up the fact that Gorakhpur is actually one of the best districts in UP. What does that tell you about the rest of UP? Did anyone bother to look at maternal health, child health, just access to any form of healthcare in the largest state in the you, country? You're saying more children die in other districts of UP Abs Absolutely. Absolutely. After getting hospitalized. Absolutely. In fact, Gorakhpur is number 12 out of 74 districts of UP. 
None of you picked that up. And this is public information, by the way. So I would say the media goes for fads. You, you, you guys just don't invest energy or resources into, I think, what are the right stories. And Amy, I'd actually like to make another pitch. I don't think it's as simple as uh, a rich, poor English uh, speakers versus non-English speakers. In the southern part of the country, including, well, places like Himachal, Chhattisgarh, etc., if you look at quintile groups, meaning income levels or asset ownership indices, etc., more than 75% people are going to public care hospitals. So when you have well-run government hospitals, people access them. While in places like UP, Bihar, Madhya Pradesh, Rajasthan, etc., not more than 15% go in any quintile. So it is not true that public care is for the poor and private care is for the rich. Where it works, people actually do go for public. It's a governance issue. So who is really raising these? And governance is... is it's the job of the society. Right, but I think the point that she's raising is that uh, as a, if I'm the brand manager of a newspaper, and if I feel my consuming market is, let's say, whatever, South North Delhi, South North Bombay, then uh, I'm not incentivized to invest or allow my editors to invest in covering what's happening in uh, upcountry. I that's think that's market the point. Failure, but that's exactly the market failure of public health. You're just responding to markets, uh, which I think is not really the only role of media. Media, when it comes to public health, when it comes to education, you do have a larger role in society. And this is get, getting to the points that both Dr. Paul and Amy raised earlier. What is the social sector? You know, not just the government, including the you know, people at large, social sector. So everything in health and education, gender, you know, these are not things we want to be bothered with. The best bureaucrats do not want to be bothered with these kind of, you know, they want to go to revenue, finance, wherever. It's the same case with, with uh, uh, the private sector as well. But social sector, we have just reiterated the fact that no country can grow on the back of poor human capital. Illiterate, unhealthy population cannot be the new age India that we are dreaming of. So I think the onus lies on, on, on so media squarely. What's the incentive? I, I entirely agree. Before I get to the incentive, let's realize that there is a problem with desire and there is a problem with capacity. In the last, I'll just give you my personal example. In the last three, four months, I've had at least three or four workshops in different parts of the country, in Guwahati, in Hyderabad, in Bangalore, so focused specifically on health reporting, nutrition reporting. The thing that struck me, struck me in all these rooms was there were about 30, 40 reporters usually, most of them either full-time supposedly covered health which means one person in a bureau, one person in a bureau, one person in a newspaper, or maybe one person in a television channel, maybe part-time. So they were supposedly the people who were interested and who were experts. And yet, in Guwahati, for example, I started telling them, as you know, Assam has one of the worst health records in India. Infant mortality, maternal mortality, it's all down at the bottom. Uh, and then I was comparing them to some other countries and where, how different Kerala and Goa are and how dramatically different that is. The first thing that I saw in the room was that all the reporters were picking up their phones and taking photographs of all this data. I said, wait a minute, this is all things you should know about your own state. Um, but uh, this is, this is the, the state of affairs. And um, many of them finally then on one-on-ones would say that, you know, our editors are not interested. They said, you know, we don't want to know this thing. What is it? So I try to tell them that it is, it is of course, incumbent on you to make your editors in, uh, interested because there's no, it's not a question of these are boring issues. These are boringly told stories. So we are telling these stories very boringly. There's a fundamental problem in the way we are telling these stories. And we are doing a very, we are doing a hash job of health reporting, frankly. The other issue, of course, related to what, uh, what she said is that, uh, sorry, what? No, go ahead, go ahead. The, other, the other issue is that uh, uh, all of them uh, in the north, when I hold these workshops, there are the junior most reporters who pop up. When we did this workshop in the south, 
they were uh, they did a workshop for edit editors popped up from uh, in bangalore we did a workshop they came from tamil nadu and kerala especially they were all editors some of them were editing health magazines entire magazines devoted to health it's not a coincidence then that places like kerala and in tamil nadu have some of the highest uh, um, um, uh, you know health metrics that we've seen in india okay so you're Actually, you're drawing a direct correlation now between uh, okay i want to say kind of it's bouncing off what um shamika said which is actually if more people used the public healthcare system there would be better reporting on it and like that's probably why i wouldn't be surprised that in the south more editors would turn up to these things and because they're opting into the system and they actually care how it functions and sadly the people who are making decisions in newsrooms here they think okay it's a poverty story and we don't right. really and care and there's a data point i'll bring up uh, bring that up with uh, dr paul but uh, dinesh you wanted to come in yeah i just wanted to make one small point about uh, Uh, do we look at the systemic issues of media as you said if the marketing the brand doesn't go beyond delhi should we cover that's one way to look at the other way to look at is how do we build capacity of individual reporters and there i would say that even if somebody is interested in reporting he is faced with a challenge of lack of information of course there is lot of public information available but how much of that is accessible to people like shamika's information i did use in my column about Uh, Gorakhpur doing very well, and this tragedy happening. But that's a publicly available information. But it's available in a form where it is not accessible. Even if it is accessible, reporters are not aware because there is very little or zero engagement from public institutions engaged in health with reporters. I mean, I've hardly come across a health ministry press conference which is not about an announcement or a new scheme being launched or a minister saying something about health issues in India. i mean aims publishes and that's a storehouse of knowledge it publishes maybe a few thousand papers in a year and at least out of that 100 would be newsworthy but we don't get to hear about that because aims does not have a public information policy it doesn't have a nodal person who collects this information and makes it available like you have when so where are you placing the uh, the no, higher blame on the supply side or demand no, side no i'm placing it on both the sides i think we need to address both the ends yeah. i mean unless you improve the quality of information unless you improve the accessibility of information unless you hold our public institutions accountable you have to have systems to do that we don't have systems to do that okay. we have a pro his job is to you know get the minister's picture in the print it's not just that you know, if you are having a system of knowledge i mean how do you transfer that knowledge to people i mean most of the research which aims does it which pgi chandigarh does it or which cmc vello does it has to do something with public health it it is newsworthy in my sense you know okay anyway I mean, but that's a good insight for uh, those of uh, who are inform- indeed health yeah. reporters or want to be health reporters dr paul so uh, you know so, so there's I, a data I, point i mean let's let's touch yeah. upon that as so well so i would say it is the problem is your policy the overarching policy uh, i do talk to several journalists from time to time uh, even in my previous avatar full time clinician <laughs> and there is an issue because you know no it's not 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 welcome you know so on. so desire capacity policy there is a problem out there and i think this is a forum where this must be stated number 2 there is an obsession with the negative in the health you heard all the stories that were highlighted yeah disaster what disaster what disaster please for heaven's sake we have to convert this into a better narrative for the people you know it has there has to be you know as you mature in any any domain you learn how to do it in a in a positive way in a way which changes lives in a way you contribute to society now to answer this question 
aims reaching out it's a very good point i'll give you a personal story 3 years ago or whatever uh, we did a stellar study on newborn infections and antimicrobial resistance it's the best study published in this area from india published in the best journal lancet global health and so a reporter comes in he detected and comes in and questions you know the way the questioning started was the following aajkal bade antibiotic resistance ho rahi hai aapke paas are bade bachche mar rahe and my this study if you had read was not about one center there were four or five centers and we made something which has actually made a lot of changes in in the in the research side but you know i was suddenly taken aback because it was as if now you have to defend the the reality uh, which is prevalent everywhere else so fortunately the same night the surgical strikes happened story never made to the yeah it's a fact story never came out in the open but i was shuddering that i have a problem at my hand so this negotiation and obsession with negativity is a very very poor very big problem the second is elitist dimension of health be mindful of this you know because it is english speaking whatever by the way english speaking population is not protected from health shocks because english is a you know taught most schools anyway so anybody can so but you know the obsession with the elitist i go to a few programs where when the dietary advice is given it is so elitist so i think we should be mindful of our core messages covering every dimension covering covering the concern of the poor in particular but not only in the negative sense but bring the positive messages forth so me my problem is that it tends to be elitist i come from a public sector background completely and i am very very clear that it should not it should address the fundamental issues the right issues and second i think an engagement with the stakeholders on the other side of the table is so threatening i wouldn't stick my neck out ordinarily okay now the data part i'm you know so is there just to kind of focus on the supply of data from your side is there an argument that you could perhaps present data in a manner that is a little more dumbed down easily consumable by media journalists who in turn will transmit it to their audiences i mean every country goes through this discussion so so is there an argument to say that maybe the government niti ayog for instance could dumb down data specifically uh, maybe the good data as you said and give it to journalists uh, health reporters who in turn will hopefully transmit it to their audiences so i the question is have you done the best job or do you think you could do a better job in no i think you are making a valid point that our, as you correctly said are we doing enough from the side of the uh, the health sector including aims including the ministries including the ayog to be able to reach out uh, with appropriate data with concerns and stories that are relevant in the broader perspective and and so on we need to do more i think that's a very point well taken in fact niti perhaps does a reasonable uh, job of this as i can see but certainly most so much more should be done uh, the data is uh, you know so much of data is in the public domain nobody looks at it you need only a you know an intern to do this you know a class 12 student can help us pull out all the data that you want tomorrow don't right. worry so that which right. brings us back yeah. to design let, let okay let me comment yeah. on that there are two aspects to this one is 
there's no question the data is out there, you know. When I look at it from, to talk to journalists, many of them do not know SRS data, NFHS data, where the, that's fine. That's one bit of it. There's no question about it. I am the first person to say, yes, there's a problem with the way journalists do it. There is, let us recognize, a problem on the other end, which is in the medical professionals uh, as well. The Indian Council of Medical Research, for example, has a variety of tremendous um, uh, organized centers, laboratories that are doing great work. And again, I say this simply because I've done a, a series of three workshops with the directors of these centers. And the first thing that would happen in the first half hour would be immediate hostility. Oh, you in some way you represent the media. This is what they did in so-and-so. Yeah, this is what they did in so-and-so. What is the point of even talking to you? Once it starts, those conversations continue, then other things start coming out. Because when I go into their websites of all these places, they have fantastic studies, they have great information and great data. But where is that? They said, oh, that we are not responsible. You should talk to the health secretary. You should, they, they are the ones who are the bosses. They have to decide. So they are in the process currently of revamping that entire health system. That was supposed to be the outcome of these discussions. But that has not happened. There is a tremendous amount of data. There is a tremendous amount of research that does not get out at all. At all. It's just lying there. It's available. A, journalists have to mine it. We don't know where to look at it. Because if you land at the website of any of these organizations, the first thing you see is a photograph saying, uh, this is this week's Swachh Bharat program, and this is what was done. The director is there sweeping or something. You have to go into links and further into links, and then you start finding the peer-reviewed papers. There's a problem on both ends. Right. OK, so we've established the demand in the supply side. We're also running out of time, and uh, time for questions. Yes, please. Uh, my name is Arundeep. Uh, so my question is to Dr. Ravi and Dr. Paul. Uh, so, Dr. Ravi, you mentioned that, you know, uh, health has to be political, so, I mean, so be it. I'm going to ask a politically loaded question. Uh, I have a very specific question about eggs. Uh, a lot of, uh, most BJP-ruled states, except for one, don't give kids eggs uh, in midday meal schemes or in Anganwadis, right? And eggs are pretty much uh, a powerhouse of nutrients that you need for cognitive mm. uh, development yeah, yeah. as uh, he mentioned earlier. So as a member of you know, the Economic Advisory Council to the Prime Minister, who's from the party that is, is not giving eggs to these kids, and as uh, a permanent member of the Niti Aayog that advises the government how important are eggs to you? OK, uh, we're talking about uh, media reporting of health and not eggs, but we'll come back to it in a moment. Huh? Let, me, let me get the questions relevant to this discussion first. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, my name is Augustine. I have struggled with the same issue for many years in UP and Bihar and can certainly vouch for Gorakhpur being a better district. Uh, what I wanted to, I want to flag actually three issues. Number one. One question. We are very short on time. Okay. Yeah. I'll make it one. Yeah. One issue that we have not flagged at all is media schools. That is the time to give the skills to look for health okay. and where the data sources are. Okay. Will you allow me for one more? Okay, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. Uh, name, name 10 media-friendly doctors in India, other than Devi Shetty. <laughs> okay, one right good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi. So we were talking about incentives for media, right, to report things. Uh, and going back to Amy's first point where she said media only reports outbreak of diseases. Now, according to a 2016 report, one in every six people in India is mentally ill. What is the incentive for the media to report the outbreak of, let's say, a bird flu and not the outbreak of mental health? Okay. Uh, I'm collecting questions, if, as some of you may have figured. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, this is Aman. I work for Metro. 
Chronic and Chronic had has a program, Shruti program, which you know started last year, and we you know we are uh, uh, like pretty much all over the country right now. But you know we had a PR. What's your question? Huh? Uh, we had a PR campaign, and we you know uh, it was a sponsored campaign. No media house picked it up. We had a PR campaign with Indian Express. We, you know, uh, on, on what? On what? Can you on on e ENT device called Struti, uh, and this is a you know a, a community skating device which we have launched, and you know it's a like we are in talks with Ayushman Bharat as well uh, to you know and also NPP NPPCD National Program for Prevention and uh, Control of, de of Deafness. Okay, got so, it. Okay, so let me let me come back. So uh, eggs, <laughs> eggs. I'll take it. <laughs> well, my advice. Uh, you know, dietary preferences are uh, uh, very much an individual choice. When it comes to uh, children's uh, nutrition, uh, I do think eggs should be encouraged. However, it cannot be forced down children's throats. If the family decides that they're not going to, you know, they don't want to eat it, I don't think it should be a... Okay, That's Dr. Paul. I don't think it's that political as you... Sure. Sure, but you can't sure. force children to eat even if the school provides. You see, but they could essentially the eggs are for protein, and the option it is political. Milk protein is no, you know, milk protein is comparable. Egg is better in a certain way, but individual choice and decisions, that's something you know, it's a different uh, target audience that you should uh, target group that you should ask uh, this question. Uh, in terms of uh, the physiological value, medical value, we can talk about that and it's important. Sorry, let's go to more interesting question. Is there anything first? <laughs> no, I think they wanted you to hold up the mic yeah. and... Okay. Yeah, you were yeah. saying physiological... I, I'm saying, you see, the egg does offer great nutritive value, particularly for the quality of protein. But almost the same quality of protein you also have found the milk protein. And by the way, egg as well as milk are both animal source compared to the vegetable sources. So you have a point to say, okay, if you are making a choice, you could say that this is an important ingredient. But to provide that on scale is a decision of the state government, and this question should be therefore directed to them. Okay, uh, next question. Hi, uh, I just have uh, one question, that there is over-dependence on data for the journalist and on case studies, or data which is perhaps not much accessible to uh, journalists as, or to people who provide the, uh, provide the data to them. There are lots of sto other story angles, there is a lot of misinformation, there is a lot of cynicism regarding healthcare facilities and healthcare hospitals and practices which are not, like newspapers are an awareness platform for the larger, larger group. Why can't more newsprint and news can be focused on countering misinformation that is prevalent in the health scenario? Okay, that's a point that Dinesh started out with as well. Any, anyone else? Yeah. Good evening, everyone. Ma'am, as you uh, rightly pointed out that America spends 18% of its GDP on healthcare. But the results are only at par with Singapore, who spends only 4% of its GDP. So, I mean, you want to say that it really wants to cut down it on its expenditure or the smart expenditure is missing? Absolutely. You have the answer, you don't need me to answer. Okay. And in India scenario, what should be, I mean, how much should it be raised, the expenditure, as a percentage of GDP? What should be that ideal? What should be the ideal? I mean, if we are at 1.8, what should it be? Well, we already have a commitment to increase it significantly in the next uh, five years. So I think that meeting that itself would be a tremendous. What is an optimal? Well, optimal would be obviously much higher. And I suspect that is, that is natural, that is unavoidable. As the economy progresses, demand for healthcare will rise and the spending will increase. 
Right, so we've run out of time. Thank you very much all for uh, being here and participating in a very critical discussion. I think we've had some interesting points on why we should be doing better health coverage, how potentially we can incentivize it, and more importantly, how can we also create the supply side push to, with good data, more insights, more stories, and finally, of course, the responsibility is on all journalists, all of us, to start looking at some of these sites, the, whether it's the uh, All India Institute of Medical Sciences or maybe the Niti Aayog, and dive deeper, go beyond the photographs of uh, ministers sweeping and uh, you know and uh, collecting awards, and you'll surely find something interesting. Uh, it's about time we did. Thank you so much. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.